welcome to the December 10th, 2021 episode of Civis Pacum Petabellum. My name is Rob Adams. I am a retired United States Navy Chief Petty Officer, and my oath of enlistment will expire when I do. I am an American, a patriot, and an activist. I am neither a Republican nor a Democrat. No political party is going to dictate my vote or what I think. I reserve the right to think for myself. I believe in the saying, in God I trust, all others verify. As my dad taught me, don't believe everything you hear and only half of what you read. I do not trust anyone that expects to be believed simply because they say something and or they have a bunch of letters behind their name. You can have a PhD and still be a blooming idiot. I am more apt to trust someone that provides references to their sources Unless, of course, the facts are stating the blatantly obvious, you know, like fire, hot, water, wet. Or someone that encourages me to check their facts. I believe in critical thinking, not critical race. I believe our rights are given to us by God, not by any government, though historically, governments will always try to take those God-given rights away. Civis Pacum Petabellum is a Latin adage that means, if you want peace, prepare for war. This implies that a society that is prepared for war is less likely to be attacked. Now, to rehash what I discussed in my previous podcast, I covered how more people are murdered by tyrannical government actions during peacetime than hostile action during wars. How the smaller number of government operatives are able to kill a vastly superior number of citizens and I provided 14 indicators of a tyrannical government with examples of how tyranny is in your face right now, every day. Not just here in the United States, but around the world. I then covered some of our Founding Fathers' views on opposing such tyranny, as well as the views of other persons throughout our rich history. Now, before I get into the rest of this podcast, i got to have this little legal disclaimer here. I am not calling for any armed resistance, rebellion, nor act of any civil war. In no way am I calling for or promoting any acts of violence. I'm reviewing a book and drawing correlations between the historical context of this book and current affairs in the world. Now, resistance does not necessarily mean you have to take up arms and become violent or aggressive. It's called civil disobedience, non-compliance. Don't do what they tell you to do if it is blatantly wrong. Again, most of my research is provided in Resistance to Tyranny, a book written by Joseph P. Martino, Ph.D. In Resistance to Tyranny, Dr. Martino asks two very good questions with regards to resorting to armed resistance. These are, one, Is there a moral justification for armed resistance? And two, are there any guidelines to help the victims of tyranny decide where to draw the line in the sand? He then goes into an in-depth discussion on a centuries-old theory called the Just War Doctrine. Though the Just War Doctrine is typically applied to wars between nations, it can just as aptly be applied to would-be belligerents toward a tyrannical government as it really deals with the moral and ethical issues regarding the use of force. 
The Just War Doctrine traditionally divided into two separate but equally important parts. The first part deals with when armed resistance is justified, and the second part deals with the justifiable actions during said war or armed resistance. And according to the doctrine, war or armed resistance is justified if the following requirements are met. First up is just cause. Second is comparative justice. Third is right intention. Fourth is last resort. Fifth, probability of success. Sixth, proportionality. And seventh, competent authority. So dealing with the first part, just cause. Quote, just cause simply means that there must be some serious and morally justifiable reason, end quote, for the action. War scholars recognize three types of just cause, but only two that would really apply to an armed resistance. Those are to repel an attack and to retake what has been unjustly taken. Now, the attack from a tyrannical government does not have to be an armed attack. Governments attack their citizens indirectly with oppressive, coercive power. Look what they're doing to us right now. These can take the form of the seizure or forfeiture of assets, convictions of quote-unquote crime, fines for violating quote-unquote regulations, withdrawal of licenses to practice a profession or trade, and so many more things they can do. Use of these tactics by the government can be viewed as an attack justifying armed resistance. As Jefferson put in her Declaration of Independence, when a long train of abuses and usurpations, pursuing invariably the same object, evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right, it is their duty to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. As Dr. Martino explains, quote, Victims of oppression need not wait for their government to initiate an armed attack against them. A just cause exists if the government is systematically using its legal apparatus on a massive scale to oppress them, end quote. Look at the poor people from January 6th. Patrick Henry warned over 200 years ago, Guard with jealous attention the public liberty. Suspect everyone that approaches that jewel. Unfortunately, nothing will preserve it but downright force. Whenever you give up that force, you are ruined. The point to be taken here is, when a government attempts to disarm its citizens, a prima facie case exists that the just cause requirement is met. Stand by for a false flag that's going to come after our Second Amendment harder than they ever have before. Now, this does not have to be an all-of-a-sudden all, all outright gun ban. Henry May wrote about the slow, quote-unquote, tightening of the screws in Nazi Germany. Each act, each occasion is worse than the last, but only a little worse. You wait for the next and the next. You wait for that one great shocking occasion, thinking that others, when such a shock comes, will join with you in resisting somehow. But in between come all the little steps, some of them imperceptible, each of them preparing you not to be shocked by the next. And then one day, 
Too late, your principles, if you were ever sensible of them, all rush in upon you. The burden of self-deception has grown too heavy. Now, this makes drawing the line very difficult for most people. The government's most recent step is too small a step beyond the previous step to provide much angst. We need to recognize this process now, right now, as just cause for resistance. I didn't say armed resistance yet. I said resistance, civil disobedience, noncompliance, peaceful protesting, legal action. Resistance. All right, the next one is comparative justice. The comparative justice requirement can only be met, quote, by honest citizens whose rights are being violated by their government and who intend to restore or establish a government which will respect those rights, end quote. In other words, one set of thugs trying to overthrow another set of thugs to meet their own ends does not satisfy this requirement. You can't have one group of bad guys trying to oust another group of bad guys so that they can implement their bad guy rules over the other guy. It's got to be the honest citizens whose rights are being violated. The third one, right intention. Right intention means that the would-be belligerents are seeking a just peace and not revenge on their oppressors. The purpose of the resistance would not exceed the just cause that provided the reason for the resistance. Anything that would create further conflict must be excluded from the resistance's intentions. Some people may go overboard. People are people. Humans are humans. Sometimes their emotions get in the way. (laughs) Look at the leftist right now. Oh, you're not vaccinated. You're a danger to me. How is me not being vaccinated a danger to you? Who is? I'm sorry, the logic just doesn't apply. Anyway, right intention may include such things as restoration of a constitution or returning to power a legitimate ruler who is unjustly deposed. Score settling or vengeance must not be part of the intention. However, This does not preclude the intention to give fair trials to the oppressors once they are overthrown. Next one is last resort. Now, I cannot emphasize this one enough. Armed resistance should always be a last resort. Every, this word is italicized, in bold, underscored, large font, Legal and peaceable means of effecting change should be exhausted before taking up arms. This means that elections, lawsuits, petitioning, lobbying, protest marches, strikes, and all other forms of legitimate protest must be tried without success or made illegal by the government before the last resort requirement is met. Now, however... The victims of the suppression should not have to go through the motions in a rigged system. In other words, yeah, okay, well, we'll change everything by casting our vote. Well, if the voting system's rigged, then casting your vote's not going to do anything. If the means of an armed resistance are being removed, last resort has arrived. Once a government has effectively engaged in war against its citizens in such a fashion, last resort has been satisfied. You must have a probability of success. 
This simply means that the would-be belligerents have some reasonable hope of achieving the just cause that provided the reason for the resistance. If there's absolutely no chance of winning the conflict, then blood is going to be needlessly spilled. There are circumstances under which this requirement need not be met, however. The uprising in the Warsaw Ghetto against the Nazis in 1943 is a classic example. They had no chance of winning against the Nazis. But they faced being sent to the gas chambers whether they fought or not. So you're going to die anyway? You may as well put up one hell of a resistance and fight back. Proportionality. This requirement means that the would-be belligerents must compare the unavoidable damage that will be done by the resistance to the damage that will be done if there is no resistance. Quote, the harm done by the war must not outweigh the good to be achieved and the harm averted by the war, end quote. The would-be belligerent need not look merely at the physical damage, though. Protection of human rights, restoration of peace, preservation of liberty will offset a great deal of physical damage. This next one is probably second to last resort in my book. Last resort needs to be first and foremost. It has to be the last act. Armed resistance has to be the last act. You have to exhaust every other avenue first. Next comes competent authority. Now, for normal law-abiding citizens, this is the one that stops most resistances before they start. Waiting for somebody in authority to initiate it. How many times I've heard people say, would somebody just light the fuse and let's get this over with? Well, that's waiting for somebody in authority to light the fuse. Or somebody to overcome their fear of the government and reprisals and retribution and stepping forward and say, okay, let's get this over with. Come on. Again, I, I am not encouraging this. We are not at the moment of last resort. I'm explaining a book. So who does, the, who does have the authority to call law-abiding citizens into revolt? No one can have the legal or constitutional power to do so. In nations with a federal system, or even if a state government fails to call for resistance to oppression by a central government, it is the citizens themselves that have the right to overthrow an oppressive government. Resistance is justified by the belief that lawful power is of the people and not of the government. The citizenry has a right to resist a government that is exceeding its lawful authority. Quote, to say that subjects in general are not proper judges of when their governors oppress them and play the tyrant, and when they defend their rights, administer justice impartially, and promote the public welfare, is as great a treason as man ever uttered. The people know for what end they set up and maintain their governors, end quote. And that is quoted from a discourse concerning unlimited submission and non-resistance to the higher powers written by Jonathan Mayhew. The bottom line I'm getting at here is the people themselves, we, our 
our own competent authority. We hold the right to determine when resistance is justified. And people are resisting. They are holding the protest. They are filing lawsuits. They are not taking this jab or job and walking off their job, getting fired for it. I applaud them. But ultimately, each person must draw their own line in the sand and determine when the government has crossed the line. When the citizen reaches a point where resistance appears to be a better option than continued oppression, when fear of the government no longer carries more weight than the determination to be free. I must assert again, I am not calling for an armed resistance or armed uprising. I am not calling for civil war, mutiny, or sedition. I have my line drawn. You draw your own. We have not yet exhausted all legitimate means of correcting what is bringing this world down. I personally feel that time is getting short, however. We must still rely upon peaceful protests, valid elections, and the due process of law. With the recent actions by Department of Homeland Security declaring pretty much every conservative-minded person a domestic terrorist, and the Department of Just Us becoming the weaponized arm of the Democratic Party using the FBI, the Federal Bolshevik Insurgency Agency, or the Federal Bureau of Ineptitude, as I prefer to call them, as their brown shirts. Come on, they're tagging soccer moms that speed out at education boards as terrorists. Not to mention the blatant shutting down of every facet of the First Amendment with censorship. They even raided Project Veritas. Not their office, but their very homes. Twenty-something Republicans are trying to get a bill passed that basically makes practicing Christianity a crime. You don't believe me? Do your own research. It's out there. We have an executive branch that basically snubs its nose at court rulings. I mean, this vax mandate has been shot down by three different courts saying, no, nah, we can't do that. You're kind of overstepping your your powers here. For those of you that are awake and have your eyes open and are actually seeing and your ears open and actually hearing, the creeping denial of our rights is in your face slapping you around. Wake up. Smell the tyranny. The government is using its legal machinery and its propaganda arm called the mainstream media, MSM, which I prefer to refer to as mainly socialist media, to wage war against its own citizenry. Watch for the false flag that tries to push the last little bit of gun control legislation. When they come for that, remember what Jefferson said. The strongest reason for the people to retain the right to keep and bear arms is, as a last resort, to protect themselves against tyranny in government. Take a look at what is happening in Australia and several other foreign countries right now. The police and the military are walking around in their jackboots on, stomping their heels doing stuff to people that should not be being done, force injecting them with this clot shot, 
locking them up into, yeah, basically concentration camps. Don't say it can't happen here, people. I'm sure that's what the people in Venezuela were saying before they fell. George Washington said, quote, Firearms stand next to the Constitution itself. They are the American people's liberty teeth and keystone under independence. To ensure peace, security, and happiness, the rifle and pistol are equally indispensable. The very atmosphere of firearms everywhere restrains evil interference. They deserve a place of honor with all that is good. End quote. If you have the mind that it can't happen here, as I said, you poor deluded soul. There are several countries currently under socialist rule that thought the same thing. Open your eyes and ears. Actually look and listen. It is happening here. If all the requirements of the Just War Doctrine are met, that does not mean that all is fair. The resistance must be conducted in accordance with two principles, discrimination and proportionality. Discrimination simply means that any act of resistance must be directed only at those responsible for the acts that created the just cause to begin with. The targets must be legitimate targets. You should not target anything or anyone that is not directly involved in whatever justice, injustice, excuse me, created the need for the resistance. Again, this resistance does not have to be an act of violence. Civil disobedience, peaceful protest, legal action, and so on are all forms of resistance. Armed resistance is a last resort. We're not there yet, people. I'm going to emphasize that again. Proportionality means that any act still needs to be proportional. The good achieved by the action in bringing the conflict to a resolution must not be outweighed by the harm done to innocent, any innocent people, property, etc. The actions of BLM and Antifa in Seattle in 2020 is an example of not being proportional. People that had nothing to do with BLM and Antifa's imagined wrongs were severely harmed. And those two groups are looking for sympathy? <laughs> Not from anyone with two brain cells left to rub together. A recent tweet from a certain U.S. representative stated that the U.S. government is at war with its citizens. I do not take this as a call to arms yet. As Dr. Martino stated in his book, governments have ways of attacking their own citizens which only indirectly depend on the government's coercive power and widespread use of such measures against opponents of the government could well be looked upon as an attack justifying armed resistance. End quote. The VAX mandates that were going to be enforced by OSHA, by a very loose interpretation of OSHA's emergency powers, are an example of the government's coercive powers. Fortunately, lawsuits filed in at least two, now it's three, federal courts put the kibosh on that mandate. That was a legal and peaceful means of resistance. I do recommend you keep an eye on what's going on in Australia, Austria, Germany, and a couple other countries. They're leading the way in this authoritarianism. Since the beginning of this whole COVID scamdemic, what has happened in those countries typically happens here 9 to 12 months later. So, keep your eyes open. 
Yet again, I will stress, I am not calling for armed resistance, civil war, mutiny, sedition, or any violence. I'm merely taking a look at historically how tyranny comes to power and comparing it to national and global events right now. Remember, Hitler was elected to office. He didn't just come in and take it by force. He was elected to office. To my mind, some of the requirements of the just war doctrine are very close to having been met, while some have already been overtly, in-your-face, blatant, slap-you-around, you're stupid if you can't see it, met. In the book Becoming a Barbarian by Jack Donovan, he says, The people of the empire have been taught that freedom is a synonym for permission. You have to read the book to understand what he means by the empire, but he's basically implying all Western civilization. Unfortunately, most people actually do think freedom implies permission. Well, when we're fighting for freedom, we're fighting for freedom, not permission. If I wanted permission, I would ask. When we fight for freedom, we are fighting for independence and self-determination. The ultimate goal of the resistance movement is to cause the people to stop believing in the existence and support of the existing state. The people must start looking at the resistance movement as us and the state as them. The resistance starts by trying to change people's minds, not necessarily by taking up arms. But alas, there is no amount of evidence that will convince an idiot. The government can use a five-step solution, which they're currently using. This is a historically proven set of steps that a government will take in an effort to suppress a resistance, whether it be an armed resistance or not. First step is identify. The government's going to identify resistors, troublemakers, influential motivational speakers around which a resistance may form. Without an effective leadership, a resistance will never get too far off the ground. I have no direct evidence that any lists of dissenters is being or has been compiled, but common sense, logic, and circumstantial evidence says it has. After the 2020 elections, you had members of the Socialist, the Democrat Extremist Party, calling for the creation of lists of Trump supporters. In today's digital world, with all its algorithms, don't think that that is not easily done. It is. Look at the ludicrous crap coming out of the propaganda machine right now. If you go against the narrative they're pushing, you're an extremist. The DHS identifying people that question the 2020 election or anything COVID, you're a domestic terrorist. Well, we've been identified and labeled. Second step is marginalize. After those people have been identified, not just the leaders, but their followers, the government will use their propaganda machine to smear these individuals as extremists, undesirables, or not to be accepted by the majority. The Nazis never killed any Jewish people. Do you know that? No, didn't kill a single Jewish person. Let that sink in. The Nazis never killed any Jewish people. They killed menaces, scum, parasites, non-humans, etc., The Nazis first marginalized the Jewish people through Goebbels' propaganda system. In the eyes of the people at the time in that country, 
The Jewish people were subhumans. The gypsies were subhumans. Those with mental or physical defects were subhumans. Goebbels and the propaganda ministry, the first thing they did was they made the German people think that the anti-Jewish sentiment was much stronger than it actually was. Now I want you to look at some of the social media stuff, the Twitter, people posting stuff that is anti-vaccine, and then the some of the comments that are made on those tweets I can only read them and go oh you people are so brainwashed you 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 they're marginalizing us next step demonize or label once these target groups have been identified and the propaganda machine has marginalized them now the government can start to change the public's attitude the public can be led from antipathy to straight-out open hatred. The Nazis, again, were very successful in doing this against the Jewish people and the gypsies. Then they enacted the racist Nuremberg Laws. I'm not talking about the Nuremberg Code, which all these doctors are violating by forcing this experimental shot on people. (coughs) Excuse me. These are the racist Nuremberg Laws, where you're either a whole Jew, half Jew, quarter Jew, whatever. But have you noticed how everything that is occurring that is not how the socialist left wants it is being labeled racist? Rittenhouse defends himself. Oh, he's a murdering white supremacist. Even though every party involved that night was white. In his case, was white. The lieutenant governor-elect of Virginia is a black female Marine. Nope. She's a race traitor and a white supremacist. Because that goes against their narrative. That goes against what they want. So all of a sudden it's racist. They're labeling and demonizing. Once they get done with that, comes the persecution. At this juncture, violence against the identified persons or groups can be done with impunity. How many white kids are getting their butts beat at school by black kids just because of this? they're white? He'd be sitting there doing absolutely nothing and get pounced. And it's not just whites, blacks, the poor Asian people. I mean, I forget what university it is, but you know, if you apply to them, no, they won't let you in because you're Asian, because you're too smart. How stupid is that? Again, don't believe it just because I say it. Do your own research. As these groups and people continue to be demonized, or as in the case of the Nuremberg Laws enacted by Hitler, have laws enacted against them, law enforcement can now take aggressive actions. Look at Austria, Germany, Australia, just for starters. What are they doing to those people right now? Non-vaxxed people are being literally rounded up and hauled off to concentration camps. A concentration camp is just that a place where a certain group of people are concentrated. Don't confuse the term concentration camp with the death camps of the Nazi regime. Not to that level yet. All right, once you're done with the persecution, now comes the last step, and that is the wholesale extermination of the aforementioned persons or groups. This is the equivalent to the Nazis' final solution to the quote-unquote Jewish problem back then. 
All the steps of the five-step solution are historically proven out by the likes of Stalin, Hitler, Chinese communists. If you're paying attention and even half awake versus woke, you can see this very process taking place in the United States as well as many other countries right now. 700-plus people indicted with over 300 being held prisoner for January 6th. Patriots being labeled and demonized in the court of public opinion. Yet not a single person on January 6th has been charged with, nor indicted for, insurrection. But oh, it's the January 6th insurrection. Even though the FBI came out this past August and said there's no evidence of any act of insurrection. I was surprised to hear that from the Federal Bureau of Ineptitude. So why are they keeping American citizens in confinement under conditions that are only slightly better than Dachau or some Soviet gulag? Maybe they're trying to intimidate other patriots to keep them from speaking out against them? Who knows? Look and see, listen and hear. The tyranny is here and it is a clear and present danger to this country and her citizens. And I have to throw in here this whole Patriot Front that marched on D.C. over the weekend, this past weekend. I grew up in the 60s and 70s, and any group that has the word front as part of their name is a terrorist organization. I'm sorry, that's the first thing that pops into my head. I think they're playing on that, and they're attaching the word Patriot to it, so that anybody's calling themselves a Patriot subconsciously, consciously, whatever, now all of a sudden we're going to start equating the word patriot to violent extremist. If you're listening to me and you get approached by somebody that may have an idea that you're a conservative, that you question the 2020 election, that you don't believe this COVID nonsense, don't get me wrong, COVID exists, but our response to it has been horrific. It's a it's the frickin' flu. But anyway, um, be leery of them. If, if they're trying to get you to join some group, be leery of them. That They have evidence with this January 6th ordeal that there was an undercover law enforcement guy out there handing out weapons to protesters in D.C., and those protesters were subsequently arrested and charged with weapons possession. Okay, look out for the setup. If you don't know somebody really, 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 really well, like long before all this nonsense ever started, don't trust them. If they're trying to recruit you into a quote-unquote protest group, uh, a resistance group, one of the ploys that the Soviets did was they started a fake resistance to lure people in. Like flies to honey or flies to vinegar. Lure them in. And once they get them, they got them. Okay? Just be careful out there. Until the next episode, God bless, stay frosty, and watch your six.